It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Hi, I'm Teresa. And I'm Amy. We are two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So, Amy, I can't believe we're starting episode 65. I know. Crazy. Incredible. Crazy, yes. I know. Besides that, anything fun and exciting? Well, it was super fun Monday going and checking out Union Gospel Mission Life Change yes, Program with yes. you. Um, Soggy day, so it was it nice was to be It was a wet day, yeah. Life, just as given t- description, Life Change Program is a safe environment for women and women with children that are struggling with abuse, addiction, or homelessness. It, I thought it was interesting that they said how many children are there. This, yeah, they have a, more a children. lot of kids right now right. versus Sometimes, adults. Exactly. Yeah. It seemed like they were 50-50. Yeah. And it was really incredible hearing that woman's testimony. I thought that was so yeah. brave, her sharing her story with Especially us. Especially since she was very clear that she never saw herself in that place. Right. She never thought she would need help. Right. Which probably a lot of people do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, it was, it moved me as well. So we were chatting afterwards and we thought for the month of January, we are going to be collecting gently used clothing for women and children. We'll be posting it on Instagram Mm -hmm. and Facebook, Facebook, social media, social media. My sister's already collected some things from her clients. So we already have a stash ready to go. Yay. It's kind of a win-win because it's January, time to clear out and, exactly. and give to those who might exactly. need it. So, awesome. We call our podcast Tangential Inspiration for a reason because <laughs> yeah. we like to go off on tangents. Yep, that we do. So, well, I'm going to go on some tangents <laughs> with some updates on some for these. past episodes and a few other little fun tidbits. So, you know, in episode 28, we talked about the legacy of Princess Diana, who mm-hmm. we both just love. Yep. But uh, our person, I just found, I was really kind of fascinated by this. I didn't realize that Prince Charles has a passion for painting watercolors, which is soon going to be on hmm. display at the Garrison Chapel in London. His work features outdoor scenes of Scotland, uh, France, and other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says his hobby kind of refreshes his soul with, you know, other activities he just can't reach that. I guess he tried photography, which is uh, his mother, Queen Elizabeth's hobby. hobby, and it didn't work out for him. But So he's not the only artistic royal. His niece, Princess Eugenie, uh, who is an art director, recently showed off a piece of a pink flower on Instagram. It's so realistic. You have to check it out. But she did it in honor of um, World Art Day. Oh. But it looks like mm-hmm. a photograph. It's pretty phenomenal. And then Kate Middleton, Duchess of Cambridge, shared an impressive sketch of the town of St. Andrews, um, the Scottish town where she attended college. So kind of neat reading about they had that little talent. But now switching gears, in episode 52, we talked about the couple, Rachel and Tom Sullivan, who um, lived in Raleigh, North Carolina. They opened up their home to nearby college students. And fed them. On Sunday dinners, yeah. And the husband had a secret little Instagram account (laughs) of healthy meals for his wife who was struggling with infertility. Mm -hmm. Well, Rachel just posted that she's pregnant. Oh, that's exciting. And she had this countdown because I guess they were away from each other. So she had this cute countdown of when she was going to tell him. So congrats to them. I thought that was really cool. And then 
Lastly, in episode 55, we talked about a local nonprofit, Michelle's Love, which was started in honor of Michelle Singleton, who lost her uh, battle to breast cancer in 2005. Which I loved delivering those meals. It was those meals so that neat. Day. That was a fun. And Andy, her best friend, wanted to honor her, and so she started that nonprofit. And we were out that stormy day mm-hmm. uh, delivering in November. But um, I just got an email with their year-end report, and it's neat to re- kind of sum it up. But I guess over the past year, um, they received $219,450. Wow. And uh, served 43 families. And they $119,931 went to program services. And then 83636 went towards like rent mortgages, mm. and utility mm-hmm. payments. So it's just neat to see how that money is it's a small group. Out. It's yeah. a real small group, yeah. and it's right here Making in our... big difference yeah, in right, those lives. Yeah, in our neck of the woods. So um, what a great nonprofit. Yeah, and I love just, those. Yeah, kind of fun reading about Good updates. these people and what's going on. So Awesome. I talked a little about Betty White when we first started our podcast. Right, yeah. Almost a year ago, which wow. I just can't believe. Yeah, I can't either. I was reading her book, If You Ask Me, and of course you won't. <laughs> I had recently read a book by Dick Van Dyke, which oh, yeah. I think I was born in the wrong era. Aww. But I was eager to get some wisdom from another Hollywood legend, which is why I picked out the yeah. Betty White book. Everyone loves Betty White for her humor, her quick wit, her spunky one-liners. Right. I haven't seen The Proposal, which I've heard she stole the show. <laughs> yeah. I haven't watched her latest project, Hot in Cleveland. Have you seen that? I haven't no. either. Which I read her castmates just adored her giggle, right. and I guess it was genuine and all, very frequent, right. which I love. Um, and being truthful, I haven't even seen an episode of The Golden oh, Girls. I have <gasps> seen that. I did watch that with my mom back in, Aww. you know, I was probably in high school at the time, and she loved that show, yeah. so. It just never appealed to me. Yeah. So now I think I would, I think I would right. really appreciate it. No, but yeah. I, I just have I get that. I haven't yet. But I loved her in the Snickers commercial when she was on SNL, and in the occasional episode of the Mary Tyler oh, Moore show. I love the show. Mary Tyler Moore show. I did too. I want to yeah. go back and watch that. I wonder what that's streaming on. All that to say, I haven't seen a ton of her work. She hosted a show called Off the Rockers with Betty White. Oh. I, that, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't heard of that either. And I think it's copied from a British show. But basically, they're senior citizens. It's kind of like an Ashton Kutcher version of Punked with oh, senior citizens. That's and it's funny. Hilarious. Wow. We rented a few of the episodes recently, and I, I was laughing out loud <laughs> just because these seniors go around town playing pranks on people, and they totally get away with it because they're cute and, oh, you know, they're old people, yeah. and so... Why not? Yeah. I admire Betty White for the twinkle in her eye, her feistiness, and most of all, her rosy outlook on life. Aww. She reminds me a lot of Dolly Parton, who we yeah. talked about in episode 10, in yeah. that her fan base crosses all sorts of demographic right. groups. That generally I've seen that everybody, yeah, they all love her, right? Even groups that don't have a lot in common or groups that disagree with things, they at least all agree that Betty White is a legend, yeah, for sure. We need more Betty Whites in the world for sure, with an optimism and warmth. She just it emanated from her, it will be missed for sure. Betty White had her own moral compass, and she didn't shy away from that, which is a trait I so <laughs> admire. She was confident in herself. Right. That's so, I I mean, I wish, yeah. And she didn't waste a lot of time with nonsense and drama, which, once again, admire and respect. Her energy was spent making people laugh 
and helping animals. She didn't have time for frivolous, silly arguments. Right. In 2010, she, she became the oldest person at 88 oh, to host that's SNL. How old she was. Wow, that's yeah. so cool. I think with the popularity of the Snickers commercial during the Super Bowl, if I'm remembering right, which I just, I loved that commercial. I thought it was, it was adorable. Funny, yeah. There was a Facebook group started to get Betty White on SNL. It was like Betty White to host SNL campaign. And they had over 600,000 members by the end of it. NBC confirmed. Good use of Facebook. <laughs> exactly. I know. <laughs> Precisely. Sorry. I'm trying to get back on there more, but I it's know. changed. And it, I, I mean, yeah. it takes a long time to figure stuff out because right. right. I'm old and it's technology. But anyway, NBC confirmed in January that they would, they'd have her on the show. Aww. So they probably just wanted to keep these people happy. But when Betty gave her monologue that May when she was the host, so they did like a Mother's Day episode okay, with all sorts of, you know, amazing ladies from Amy Poehler and Tina Fey and all these ladies came back. So it was a special episode in that respect. But I loved her monologue when she came on. She said that she hadn't known what Facebook was. Until this group got her yeah. on SNL. And she said, upon learning about it, it sounds like a huge waste of time. Oh, she, <laughs> Which I just, she hit it on. The- she did, absolutely. <laughs> Betty White was a woman of integrity. When she was hosting a national variety show, there was a black tap dancer named Arthur Duncan who would point out that it was Betty who gave him his break in Hollywood. He, oh, I mean, he claims yeah. that to this day. The show was doing well, except, except in areas of the South. They had a lot of calls and complaints, and the network, you know, asked Betty to remove Duncan from the lineup. She basically said he wasn't going anywhere. They'd have to deal with it and kept him on the show, which, wow. yeah, that's back awesome. in the day, that's I mean, spirit, spunk, right, doing the right thing. For sure. When she was asked to consider a part in the movie As Good As It Gets, she declined. Jack Nicholson's character, he's an old curmudgeon who throws a dog down an elevator shaft in one scene. Betty White didn't think that was funny, and she wanted nothing Good for to do with her. I mean, exactly. Gosh. I mean, she was at an age where probably not a lot of offers, I wouldn't think, but right. she didn't want anything to do with a movie that would use that kind of humor. Yeah. So, always all a little animal res- lover. Yes, all sorts of respect for her. Betty had two main loves in life. She loved animals of all kinds and her third husband. Well, I didn't realize that, you know, until I had read this book, that Betty was divorced twice before she met her soulmate. She met her first husband in World War II. Betty was helping with the war efforts in the American Women's Volunteer Service. So Frederick Richard Baker was a pilot, fighter pilot, and he was stationed in the barracks in California Betty was a delivery truck driver. Oh, my god! How adorable is that? She's like a little thing. So, wow. anyway, she um, provided supplies to the barracks, and that's where wow. they met in the Hollywood Hills. They married after the war in 1945. Oh, that's pretty darn cute. Adorable. Yeah. Betty was just 23. They moved out to Baker's Rural Chicken Farm in Ohio. Oh. Sadly, they married in July, and they were divorced by December oh. when Betty headed back west. You'd think that being the animal lover she was, that she'd be in yeah. her element out on the farm, but apparently not. She yeah. said it was a nightmare. Later, she would note that it came down to the couple wanting to be amorous, and I say that <laughs> with a wink, um, together. So they got married, and four months later, after all of that, Betty decided that wasn't enough. 
So she headed back to California. Two years later, she married Lane Allen. He was a Hollywood agent and casting director. They married in 1947, and sadly, they divorced in 1949. Once again, I admire Betty for this because Allen wanted Betty to give up her career. Oh, he wanted her to quit acting and be a homemaker. Oh my gosh, that's Betty, totally not. <laughs> no, I know. Betty wanted a career. I mean, this is, you know, I get it 40s, for the time period. The time, yeah, yeah, for sure. But so Betty wanted a career more than she wanted a husband. She would later tease that her first two marriages were rehearsals, which I just love her take I on I like things. that perspective. Yes. Yeah. You know it had to be painful. Even amicable divorces, I'm assuming they were, right. um, are still hard. Yet she put her characteristic positive spin on just calling them rehearsals right, and right. moving on. Which I just, yeah. she's just, a, she was adorable. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Betty loved games. She was good at them. So it was no surprise that she'd meet her husband number three on a game show. Well, actually... Wasn't soon to be husband number three. She was a guest on the show Password in 1961. They weren't married until 1963, but it was after several marriage proposals. She wasn't, you know, he lived in New York. He was doing the show in New York. She lived in California, and she wasn't in a hurry to get married. To get married. She didn't want to go to New York. She, once again, wanted her career, and her career was in California. So, anyway, she finally caved. And Alan was the love of her life. Aww. They were married until his passing in 1981 from stomach cancer. And, and I read that she would work, you know, endlessly. She'd work at whatever project she was doing, and then she'd run to the hospital and take care of him. Aww. And then she'd work on a project. You know, she just tirelessly right. worked and took care of her husband. She loved him. Aww. So he also supported her career and admired her wit She was smart at these game shows. She was a clever lady. He encouraged her to grow as a person instead of stifling her as previous husbands had done. So I can see why the admiration was mutual. According to her assistant, Betty had a picture of Alan by her bed. I love that. So I do too. She'd blow a kiss every morning when she got up. And at night she'd open up the shutters and look to the sky, you know, thinking and kind of thinking and talking to him. There's a plaque at the Australia exhibit at the Los Angeles Zoo. She'd often visit and make sure the plaque was dusted. Oh. And then she'd say a few words to Ellen. Larry King asked her in an interview in 2014 about marrying again, and she replied with, when you've had the best, who needs the rest? Which I just... So sweet. So sweet. Yeah. She showered that love on animals in her life, too. Any animal lover should check out her book, Betty and Friends, My Life at the Zoo. Oh, my gosh. It's it's so full of beautiful pictures, like bright pictures of animals and stories from Betty throughout the years. Armadillos, gorillas, crocodiles, everything in between. I mean, (gasps) everything in between. This woman loved, I can't say it enough, she loved animals, and it showed. There's a show on Disney right now called Big Cats with Betty White. (gasps) Yes. I, she took the, the viewers around the zoo with the behind-the-scenes views of lions, tigers, jaguars, cheetahs, hippos. There was a hippo oh, that she had. Oh, and they're they're dangerous. Oh, yeah. And and she pointed out, she she teaches you. Wow. You know, she's educating her viewers about these animals. Is that what you helped us with with the geese the other day? <laughs> yes, I, was, running. I was channeling my Betty. Yeah, why? Why is her running? Yes. Um, 
I just think everyone should watch this show. It reminds me so much of my mother-in-law with Aww. her descriptions of the animals and just like everything Sweet. is beautiful. And even these, you know, snakes or I don't know. Yeah. Things that normally I would cringe at, but my mother-in-law would be like, oh, look at that beautiful snake. You know, isn't it points lovely? Out. Yeah. yeah. Points just, out the beauty. And Betty was the same way. Betty's camera crew was nervous with a lion, and they had made this, like, bedroom set for the for the lion's cage, and Betty just gently is talking to him and Aww. calmly talking the lion down as yeah. her camera crew is, like, super nervous. Now, they're on the other side of a, a fence. I mean, right. nothing's going to happen to them, but still, they were nervous, and... Every animal she describes seems like her favorite. She just has that enthusiasm with right. each animal. That's so cool. They're all just beautiful, gorgeous, delicious. Those are all ways that she <laughs> described the animals. And I, I can't do it justice. You, you've yeah. got to just go I watch it. check that out. In ways, she reminds me of Steve Irwin, oh. who we talked about in episode 22. Right, yeah. Her enthusiasm, you know, is just apparent for all critters, and it reminds me a lot of Steve Irwin oh. when he did documentaries i personally struggle with zoos yeah and i admire that betty white addressed that she was careful with her words she noted that there are zoos that make poor decisions and mistreat animals but there are also some great things that take place at the zoo betty saw the magic of zoos she said i'm not into animal rights i'm only into animal welfare and health. And that, oh, to me, yeah. was so typical right. of Betty White. She didn't focus on things that would have a negative connotation. Sure. But instead, she promoted ways to make their lives better. She was the 2009 recipient of the Jane Goodall Institute oh, Global Leadership cool. Award for Lifetime Achievement. Wow. That is a mouthful right that there. Is, that <laughs> is. And what an honor. I guess when she arrived, picture this. Her trunk was filled with toilet paper tubes to stuff them with food for animal enrichment programs. Oh, Betty White. Ready to go with the crafts and help teach something. That's awesome. Betty always just loved animals. Her parents would often take her to the zoo as a young child. I think it was in part for Betty's benefit, but also for theirs. They were animal lovers too. Her father was an electrical engineer, and I guess he had a lot of energy. Betty's mother would call him Horace, Horace the Hummingbird. Her mother, Tess, passed on her optimism and integrity, according to Betty. Her mother would say, when you're alone and look into your own eyes in the mirror, always be sure you can meet those eyes directly. Otherwise, it's big trouble, my girl. Aww. Which I like that. I like, yeah, yeah, I love that. Her parents were big animal lovers. Every summer, they'd head out for a three-week camping trip. In the woods, three weeks. I can't remember. I mean, it was someplace in California, but like three weeks backpacking. Yeah. Three. That's pretty impressive. Weeks. Just the three of them. Right. Yeah. I, I, I can only do one night. I can only do overnighters. Three weeks. Yeah. And that's kind of before the time of camping, kind of. I oh, mean, absolutely. It's, I mean, people camped and did that, but she, she said it's she not as popular s- as it is, you know, in recent time, but. She saw real animals out there. As a kid, with her parents, they would care for pets when owners could no longer take care of them. Oh. Remember, she was born in 1922. Okay. So she, you know, they, this is during the Depression. Her family would care for critters that were left behind for one reason or another. And when she was a kid, she wanted to be a forest ranger. Oh. 
She'd but be cute in a little forest outfit, she? ranger outfit. I know. But she lived in a time when that was a male-occupied occupation. Okay. So, obviously, she couldn't. In grammar school, she composed a school play and wrote herself into the lead. Oh, <laughs> I love that. She was hooked, apparently. Yeah. And I personally would say she made a much larger impact for animals than she would have if she would have been a forest ranger. Oh, for sure. So I'm glad. Definitely a silver lining and, you know, something Betty always found. Betty worked to help animal shelters, numerous animal endeavors, and fiercely promoted protecting animals in entertainment projects. Sadly, there was a time when movies didn't have that, you know, the little credit that notes no animals were harmed oh, in this filming. Okay, yeah. She lived during the time where they worked to make sure that Happened. came about. Betty volunteered at the Los Angeles Zoo and Botanical Gardens since their opening in 1966. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Eventually, she was the Los Angeles Zoo Commissioner. She did that for eight years. In the 1970s, Betty hosted a TV series. I still got to find this yeah, one. Oh, called cute. The Pet Set. Wow. They made 39 half-an-hour episodes available for purchase in 2021. Wow. She would start by introducing the pet and then bring out the celebrity owner. Oh, fun. Doesn't that sound that good? That sounds really I know. good. She had to start. I think they need to do this nowadays. That would be really cool. Be a fun, that be, would be a fun project. It would be fun we to guess, to too. Yes. Like what pet would belong Goes to Goes to which star. Yeah. She fun. had stars like Carol Burnett, Burt Reynolds, oh. Mary Tyler Moore, Della Reese, and an animal trainer named Ralph Heffer. I can see why Betty wanted to promote Ralph because oh. he was a trainer who introduced affection training with oh. endangered animals, including snow leopards and elephants. She also produced a TV special back in 1974 called... This woman did everything. She was busy. <laughs> no. That's why I say she's um, like her dad. Yeah. She's all over. Called Backstage at the Zoo. Oh. The show helped residents in the area understand the work being done behind the scenes. And Jimmy Stewart joined her, which I love yeah. to read. We talked quite a bit about him in episode 61. Yeah. That's so cool. Isn't that fun? I think Betty got her energy, like I said, from her dad because this woman was helping animals nonstop on top of her work. She was active with the Morris Animal Foundation, a nonprofit that invests in science to advance animals and their health. She was a trustee for 50 years and personally sponsored 30 health studies that improved the health of dogs, cats, horses, and wildlife. The president and CEO of Morris Animal Foundation said that Betty was a pioneer in recognizing the need for emergency funding for animal care. In 2010, she created the Betty White Wildlife Rapid Response Fund, another mouthful there, in response to the Deepwater Horizon oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. The fund studied the impact on bottlenose dolphins. Okay. Now it's called the Betty White Wildlife Fund. A lot easier to say. It researches and addresses wildlife disasters. In 2020, the fund provided a million dollars to rescue, rehabilitate, and release animals after the fires in Australia. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing picture or video of that. That was Well, horrible. we talked about the one dog that, well, on the, uh, the drone. Yeah. The guy using the drone to help find koalas. So, um, Betty White loved animals and wanted people to learn as much as they could about them. But she also preached that wild animals should never be kept as pets, which yeah. 100% agree. It's no surprise that Betty loved dogs, and she was a strong supporter of guide dogs. She co-authored two books with Tom Sullivan about guide dogs, 
That's why I was chatting with you at the movie right. today. Yeah. Um, we went and saw, because today is Betty White's birthday. Right. We went and saw her, the one day screening of her birthday movie, and Tom Sullivan is in the movie, yeah. which I love that yeah. they interviewed him, because she was a big, he was a big part in her life. Sullivan had lost his sight as an infant, and when his retired guide dog was replaced, the poor dog, like his original guide dog, yeah. became super depressed after the arrival of the new dog and Betty would not have it. So Betty adopted the previous dog and they shared five years together. So talk about lucky dog. Oh, totally. Lucky dog. She also adopted a golden retriever. She named Pontiac from (laughs) the guide dogs from um, the guide dogs for the blind international school. They have campuses in California and Oregon. Oh, I didn't know that. Pontiac couldn't focus on her job at guiding. She just wanted to meet everyone on the street and go say hi. And Betty would laugh that Betty felt she was the human version of a golden retriever. Pontiac was a golden retriever. Funny. Extroverts, and they just love people. And so Pontiac went and and lived with Betty and had a good life. But Betty made generous gifts to the guide dogs for the blind since 1986. Christine Berenger, the CEO of the school, said... I have the utmost respect for her. She's one of the few people I've met in the world who truly comes from a place of love in all things she does. I love that. Quite the compliment. She was also friends with The Seeing Eye, the oldest guide dog school in America, which I guess is out of New Jersey. She helped with a fundraiser one year and offered dinner with Betty White as one of the bids. Wow, that's so cool. Isn't that fun? I know, exactly. Get the paddle up. They noted she wasn't just a supporter of the seeing eye dog, but she was an advocate for the rights of the people who use guide dogs, making sure they have access to restaurants, hotels, and transportation. So what a thoughtful, thoughtful woman. Yeah, the whole vision. She earned the American Humane Hero Dog Award, established by the American Humane in 1877, to ensure the safety, welfare, and well-being of animals with a variety of initiatives. Robert Ganser, their CEO, noted that Betty was involved with the organization for 70 years, nearly half of their 145-year existence. She helped in different capacities, obviously, throughout the years, donor, volunteer, member of the board of directors. She twice chaired the Be Kind to Animals Week, teaching kids around the country to have compassion and empathy for all living creatures. I can't think of a more perfect teacher. Yeah. She joined forces with Ted Danson for ocean conservation. See what I mean when I say that she had her dad's endless energy. And, wow. She had, like, so she, I'm just she, touching I got to jump things. in here. Did she, did she have kids? She no, no kids. Yeah. No kids. And she was very upfront about that in her book. Yeah. She had a career. She didn't feel like she could have a career and be a good mom. Right. So she so loved her career yeah. that she chose that over having children, I've, which... I've got a lot of friends that have chosen that, too. Yeah. And I, I I really respect and admire that. That they are... That they know that. Right. And... Are confident in that. Yeah. I think it's great. I think that's awesome. And I yeah. think she's a great role model for that. So I read a piece in People Magazine. You have, Amy has um, the Today Show. I have People Magazine, which, side note, it's too funny. It's their so, 70th birthday on last Friday. Was People the, Magazine? No, or Today, Today Show. Show. <laughs> so with People Magazine, it's too funny. I got a notice. It said, this is your third notice that you need to pay. And oh. it was kind of funny. Well, the thing... 
It expires in July of 2022. It is January. January. I guess they want to be on top of the billing. (laughs) Yeah. I know. So it's kind of funny. But in People Magazine, which I love, they were preparing um, for um, Betty White's 100th birthday. Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen said that no one was interested in seeing them if Betty was around, which I... (laughs) I love. Yeah. She, he, Ted would say, it's not like she's a bubbly, joyful person. Person, <laughs> She wakes up every day and chooses to be that way. I think she leads a very purposeful life. I thought that was interesting. It just made me realize that Betty was just like the rest of us. And more importantly, it helped me realize that I do have the choice to be more like Betty. I can right. wake up and decide to sure, be cheerful. Yeah. For years, she donated to the Peaceful Valley Donkey Rescue, another mouthful, in San Angelo, Texas. In fact, she had helped support them since 2006. This is why she had to work, because she had all these charities. charities. They have decided to name a newly constructed nursery in her honor. A cute little Janet. That's a female donkey. Oh, I had to look that I up. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Janet, yes. Was born on Christmas Day, and the rescue was having a hard time coming up with the right name. New Year's Eve, they decided on the perfect name after hearing the news. Oh, So, so much to love about this woman. I love that she teased about having to work in order to pay for all her animal causes. Yes. <laughs> this, she just, she knew her purpose and it was evident. While she stayed away from politics and was careful with her word choice to point out, you know, she was an animal advocate, not pushing animal rights or an animal rights agenda, she didn't shy away from her beliefs. One time she was asked about, you know, same-sex marriage in an interview, and she said she didn't see why two people who love each other shouldn't be together. Right. She also reminded the interviewer that what other people do behind closed doors isn't really any of our business. So true. So true. It is. You know? It is. And she, you know, from her wisdom, I think we need to learn from that. I think all of us could aspire to be more like Betty White. For me... I want to always find the silver lining, spread kindness to every living thing, and not take this life so seriously. She lived a life making people laugh, and I can't help but wonder if that laughter was her secret to staying so young. I think we should all work to judge less, love more, and do a lot more laughing in honor of the late Betty White. Well said. I don't understand how people can get so anti-something. Mind your own business. Take care of your own affairs and don't worry about other people so much. Betty White. So my youngest son, Nick, wants to be a pilot after he finishes college. yeah. And fly commercially. I hope when he gets his pilot's license, he considers doing what Cody Anderson has done. Cody's a young man who's taking flying lessons in order to get his pilot's license for a small aircraft. You have to put in so many hours flying in order to fly, you know, yeah. by yourself. You have to fly with an instructor. And um, Cody was learning to fly in Albuquerque, New Mexico, when he heard about an urgent plea from a nonprofit company called Barcaps. Oh. Which I, I so like that name. It's for dogs, maybe. Betty White would love it. Yeah, for sure. Barkhouse is a nonprofit that pairs animals and shelters with a new home. Sometimes these homes are a ways away. Yeah. So for many animals, Barkhouse is their last chance, as in some shelters, if the pets aren't adopted within a certain amount of time, they'll be euthanized. Oh. That just makes me so sad that it's a thing in 2022. Yeah. A few days before Thanksgiving... 
and I won't cry, um, Barkhouse put out a plea to help save Hero, a two-year-old orphan pit bull. Barkhouse had been hoping to get a flight or other transportation for Hero to get him out of a kill shelter because he was scheduled to be put down. For more than 30 days, they reached out to different resources to find a way to get Hero to a potential adoptive family in Santa Fe. Cody heard about it after two days before, so it was two days before Hero was scheduled to be put down and quickly put together a plan with his flight instructor to fly from Albuquerque to Roswell to pick up Hero and do another leg to Santa Fe where a family was willing to pick up and adopt Hero. On the day before Thanksgiving, Cody and Lauren made the flight and picked up Hero and Hero was was united with his forever family. Oh, so sweet. I know. But that isn't the end of the story. Later, Cody got his pilot's license through a program in his high school, and he started training with his instrument flight rating and commercial pilot license. An instrument flight rating allows you to fly in bad weather in the dark by using instruments to navigate. Okay, yeah, I don't know anything. (laughs) So a commercial license is what's needed to fly big planes like cargo and, and passenger jets. Both require you to log a lot of flight time. So what does Cody do? He starts checking off his flight time hours by transporting shelter animals around New Mexico. I just love Cody. So sweet. While some New Mexico shelters are overcrowded, which causes animals that aren't adopted to be put down, other shelters around in different parts of the state have room and people wanting to adopt animals. So Cody now and, and students from his high school flight program are getting their flight time and helping transport pets from one shelter to another. That's that's a really good way to get some experience. In one trip, Cody flew 22 puppies and two mama dogs from La Cruces, New Mexico to Albuquerque to meet up with another pilot who took the dogs onto Aurora, Colorado, where families were waiting to adopt them. I have to say, you know, we have two rescue dogs and I just... This just speaks to me. It was amazing to think, this is Cody. I could change the lives of 22 other families in just one flight, said Cody. I needed the flight time, and it's a great way to help something else out by transporting these dogs to new families. Barkhouse, which coordinates these flights, is trying to partner with even more pilot programs in New Mexico and other states, which I hope will happen. Another story that pulled on my heartstrings and I'm sure you saw this on Instagram, it was all over the last month, was John Burley and his nurse, Jennifer Smith. John was hospitalized with pneumonia this past Thanksgiving, and he was gravely ill. Oh, yeah. He, <laughs> I did <laughs> see that. Did sorry. Um, John had a 12-year-old dog, Boomer. Mm-hmm. He was taken to the animal shelter because John just didn't have family or friends around that could take on the dog. Boomer had been John's best friend and companion since Boomer was a puppy. John was in a panic that he would lose Boomer forever. Not having anyone else to call, John reached out to a nurse, Jennifer Smith, who saw John as a patient in an adult health program. Over time, Jennifer and John had talked a lot, often about Boomer. Having no other options, John left a message for Jennifer saying that Boomer was in a shelter and he, he, you know, couldn't lose Boomer. Jennifer promised John that she would take care of Boomer. Jennifer tracked down Boomer in a shelter and adopted Boomer. The hospital gave her permission to bring Boomer into work with her, and she was able to let Boomer visit John on a couple days, you know, a couple times a day. Jennifer's convinced that being able to see Boomer helped with John's recovery. 
Boomer like became that. yeah, absolutely. Totally. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's so there. much there's, therapy dogs yeah, and yeah. therapy there's science behind that. Yeah. Boomer became popular with other patients and staff on John's floor, and his visits were happily anticipated every day. John is still doing rehabilitation, and Jennifer is taking care of Boomer until John can take care of himself. But Jennifer said, I can't cure diseases. I'm not a miracle worker, but I made a promise to John to take care of Boomer. I'll take care of him as long as he needs me to. John knows that. Right now... The focus is on John getting better and taking it one day at a time. I just love this. I mean, really good people out there and doing the right thing and helping others. So I thought it'd be fun getting to know Amy. Right. To have like a Betty White kind of themed. Sure. Yeah. Questions. If you could have any exotic animal, what would it be? I know Betty White loved everything from gorillas, grizzly bears, everything. I would say maybe a monkey. Little monkey. A little monkey. Okay. Yeah, you like know? Ross on yeah. Little yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. like on okay. Friends. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> on Friends. Um, do you have a favorite cocktail or mixed drink? According to People Magazine, Betty White enjoyed a signature drink with um, – Vodka on the rocks with a citrus splash before okay. dinner. Okay. So that was Betty. I normally don't drink, but I'll have a margarita in a while, you know, once in a, every once in a while, but that's about it. Do you have a favorite documentary? Well, you I must. Betty White. I have to start with Betty White. Right. Um, she said she was fascinated by the, this isn't going to surprise yeah. you, the 2020 documentary called My Octopus Teacher. Did oh, you see that? I haven't seen that, but I've heard that. So I had so a guy at the club that yeah. told me I had to watch it. So I did watch it. It's a little on the slow side. And do go in with some tissue. Yeah. Because it's... Without giving away things. It's, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. wildlife. But um, it is, it's really good. Okay. It's really good. So I see why that's... Betty's favorite was Betty's favorite, but what is your favorite documentary? Um, well, I just saw the Julia Child one, which was really mm. good. So that was I like that. Fun learning, fun learning. Yeah. Um, okay, so Betty White's favorite sandwich she loved peanut butter, bologna, and oh. iceberg lettuce sandwich on white bread. It's something her mom made her. Mm. So, <laughs> do you have a favorite? I like sandwich? the old grilled cheese. Oh, yeah. Just a standard. Like my in-laws, my husband loves to have it with tomato soup. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like See, it. I like tuna fish with tomato soup. Okay. Yeah. I, I like it with tomato yeah. soup. Yeah. Do you have real cheese or fake cheese? I like it both ways. Yeah. Okay. I like real and fake. I mean, I like it, you know, with the good old American rubber or like <laughs> cheddar. So I had talked about Betty being so brave with all the animals on yeah. there. Do you have any irrational fears of animals? I'm afraid of snakes. Mm. Really afraid that. of rattlesnakes. Yeah. Like when we go down to San Diego, we I'll hike up at Torrey Pines above a surf spot where my family will surf. And mm-hmm. I'm by myself. And they do see rattlesnakes. And so I'll talk or I'll shuffle just because I'm really afraid. Really loud. Like I really want about, yeah, because yeah, I'm worried <laughs> yeah. about that. Yeah. The rattlesnakes. I hear you. The greatness of a nation can be judged by the way its animals are treated. Mahatma Gandhi. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com. 
or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.